Hey guys, it's me, producer Ross, and welcome to another edition of Game Day Extra Time, the show where fans have their say on their club. We have an hour-packed show, many guests involved once again. We have Liam, we have John, we have Thomas, and we have a man making his debut tonight in Simon. Simon, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, let's get your thoughts on the Lincoln and Gillingham results. A defeat against Lincoln, but back to winning way to town against Gillingham. Yeah, it was... Very disappointing last weekend, I thought, uh, against Lincoln. We just we didn't really show enough. We had plenty of the ball away. Uh, There's lots of nice passing in there, but it was a tight game. And I, I think I said on the game day, it was a game which felt like it would be decided in a, a single moment, either a moment of brilliance or a mistake. It, in the end, see, Toto gave away the penalty. Um, but it was just that same old story of play quite well, don't get the goal. And then they're just once their goal went in, you think that there was just an inevitability about that defeat. Once once their goal had gone in, that there was no up upping of intensity, or you didn't feel like they were trying to get back, or not that they weren't trying, but you felt like they weren't going to get back into the game, despite all the effort they they were clearly putting in. Just felt like there was a lack of cutting edge. Um, and and I think you could probably say that for for a large part of uh, the Gillingham game as well. Again, there was lots of nice passing. I mean, the first half, I didn't even look towards Tomash Holy's end. There was just nothing happening at that end of the pitch. It was like, I remember checking the stats at half time. I think it was 75, 25% of the ball. We had nine shots to one and it was very dominant. We didn't score when we were on top. And I think once we didn't do that, there was kind of, after the second half, Gillingham improved. Uh, they, they could have scored. I, I think it was a game where potentially not having the fans there helped. Um, because I think if we got to kind of 60, 70 minutes without the fans, that nervousness could have translated onto the pitch. But they stuck to their task and in the end scored a very good winner in Teddy Bishop. Definitely. And uh, Liam, how are you doing, my friends? Um, it's been a, a different different sort of week, you know, a defeat and then we're back to winning ways, thankfully. Gillian, your thoughts on the both results? Uh, well, I haven't got the Lurgy anymore, which, which is good. Um, I don't know how you're feeling. After okay. me probably passing it to you, but yes. there you go. Um, I mean, I said on Monday on the Monday um, review that I was probably going to go against the grain of most people about Saturday's result. Um, it wasn't a good result, um, looking at how both teams played in the end. Um, but would there have been as many complaints if Town had got a nil-nil out of that? against one of the teams up at the top of the table. After the record of the last season, I think a nil-nil probably wouldn't have been a bad result, really. Um, we all feared that we would have lost the game anyway. And actually, I thought Town were fairly comfortable throughout most of it. There were periods where they conceded a few good chances to Lincoln and, and it could have been different. But then it could have been different as well if Town had taken a couple of the chances that came their way. Hawkins was unlucky with the header. And then, of course, your lad, uh, Guion, somehow managing to get the ball over the bar from what felt like about five yards. Um, it's a different game if Town go ahead. And I thought, overall, they controlled the game pretty well. Um, my one issue I have with Town at times is that I'm not not suggesting that they should be dirty, but a bit more game management. I think better teams earlier up the pitch 
they would have maybe tried to give away a foul when Lincoln were breaking. And then that whole situation of Lincoln getting forward and putting the defence, which wasn't set uh, under pressure, um, might have not come apart um, as it did. Uh, it got that far and then Toto, I'm afraid, uh, just poor, poor decision-making um, again um, and rightfully paid for it on, on Tuesday night. Um, I was surprised Wilson was dropped, but I did like um, the two more ball-playing centre-halves um, against Gillingham. And uh, I know what Simon's just said about... Um, that again, it wasn't wasn't brilliant, but I think a lot of town fans are going to have to realise that even though um, we've got good footballs and can play good football and, and try and play teams off the park, we are playing a lot of teams who are very direct and very physical. And in Gillingham, playing a four four two, which is a very difficult. Um, formation to break down if you play it well, where you put the two banks of four right on top of each other. I mean, that first half, I mean, it could have been different. I mean, we finally saw an actual proper free kick um, from Dizelle, which just went wide. Um, Sears had a couple of chances. Um, and God forbid they were putting crosses in the box, which I don't understand why they don't do more of, because it was causing a bit of carnage, really, towards that Gillingham defence. But, I mean, people will come out and say, oh, well, we won 1-0 and we got a late winner. But, I mean, against better teams, this isn't good enough. We're not going to do anything. But, I mean, I know last season is still very much um, looking at us. But, I mean, against a Sunderland or a Peterborough who will be more attacking, I mean, if Town are better defensively this season, they could play more on the break and catch those sort of teams. Against Gillingham at home, you're expected to dominate and take the game to the opposition. And to be honest, it was difficult because they they set up and whatever Evans said in his post-match comments about they were the better side and they were robbed and so on. I mean, the first half, there was only one winner. And if Town has just had those opportunities had gone in, I don't think Gillingham would have got close. But the fact that um, they did um, allowed them more confidence second half and they went for it. But, I mean, Evans can talk all he likes about we had chances and, and should have gone ahead, but they didn't take it. I mean, they were pretty poor efforts, really. Um, I mean, the one where Chambers kind of cleared, almost cleared it off the line wasn't even on the line. It should have been towards goal. And it, it, to me, it looked like it might not have even gone into the net. It was such a, a poor attempt when he was in so much space. But I think that Gillingham result is a really good one because it was a result that was needed. And we got the result in the end. And I was really pleased with the goal because it was patient build-up. But just what Simon said, there was a point that I was going to make about it, is that um, that goal in an empty stadium, Town took their time, they built the pressure in the last 10 minutes and they got that goal through a brilliant finish from Bishop. Had that have been in front of um, however many would have been in Portman Road on Tuesday night, would Town have been as patient as that 
in the 86th minute? Or would they have started potentially going a lot more direct, a lot longer, and ending up probably being scrappy and ending up nil-nil? That's a worry for me that we might not know until next season because we don't know when fans are going to be back in. But it was patient play when there was no pressure on them. But I just wonder if there were fans in, whether they would have reverted to um, maybe losing their shape a bit and losing their their composure. But overall, can't complain. It was it was a win, um, and uh, I expect the same on Saturday. Cool. And uh, I'm gonna go over to Mr. Game Day, Thomas Seggins, um, who's currently self isolating. So how how has that been at the moment for you? And uh, your thoughts on the two results? And that's not too bad. It's a bit boring. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I got a text today from the track and trace saying it's been shortened to next Wednesday. So I'm allowed out next Wednesday. Cool. So that's a bit of a bonus. Um, secondly, no one's mentioned it yet, but I'm sure he'd want to mention there's got to be a happy belated birthday to David. Um, this, will <laughs> out, this will go out on Friday. So, you know, we've got to wish him a... I think I've, I think I've texted or messaged him to him like six or seven times today just because he's been reminding us all the time so yeah. you know just another one for him <laughs> but yeah um what we what liam was saying there a bit of a peep show reference here are we the baddies <laughs> yeah 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 you know he makes it sound like you know if we were there would we uh yeah. that have been a nil no we possibly would have been but um i didn't see the lincoln game um that's just prior to start self-isolating so we were, we were busy so i can't comment too much about that i've seen the penalty um for me it was a penalty can't really dispute that um, shouldn't be given the ref decisions to make like that. And I know the ball was potentially going away from, um, um, you know, going away from play, but it's still, you shouldn't be making those lunges in. And, you know, it's, it's a stupid challenge to make and it's definitely a penalty for me. Um, and what Nolan was up to, I, I, I haven't seen it properly, but as I said off as well, I don't really went lunging in there. So can't really complain too much. Um, I guess Lambert had a few words to say at the end there. Um, which, which is fair enough. You know, things get heated. You'd like to see that from a manager sometimes. So, um, and then obviously, we've got Portsmouth in the FA Cup draw on Monday. Um, I don't really understand the fuss with everyone complaining about why it's a crap draw. We can't go. It's, it doesn't matter. For me, it's just another game that we don't need. Um, I don't care. Whatever. We've got Portsmouth. We win, we win, we lose, we lose. It doesn't matter. Um, and then Tuesday, obviously, um, dominate the first half. Thought it was a good first half. Just a shame we didn't go in one or two nil. To be honest, um, especially with Lancaster hitting the crossbar like he did, um, and the game would have been ours. Um, the second half, but unfortunately, we gave Gillingham a bit of they come out a bit of fire, um, brought the game to us. Like Liam said, potentially didn't really create that much chances for themselves. You know what they did do is we didn't really they didn't have enough cutting edge, um, which most teams don't seem to have in the bottom half of the table. Whenever we play them, you know it's. We always seem to batter them off and then manage to just manage, no, just manage to come away with the three points, um, which is what we need to do against the lower half team. So to get that goal at the end, um, good result for us. Push on to Tuesday, um, Saturday, sorry, against Crew. Obviously, uh, I'm guessing Liam's quite excited for that. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think all in all, like. We lost to Lincoln, fair enough. You know, we, we didn't lose badly. We still looked like we could have perhaps, as far as I can hear, we could, if, if we'd have got a goal, we'd perhaps gone a different way. So it wasn't, it wasn't like the 5-3 last year and it's, 
it was something to take away from that. And then we come back a bit nervous, perhaps at home Tuesday, you know, come away, come away from a win, with a win. So it's, it's, it is positive. Um, it's still one or two worries, but it's, it is what it is. Um, and obviously Steve Evans being a bit of a tosser, like he normally is. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but um, I saw a tweet and it was like, exact, what he said was basically a carbon copy when he was managing Leeds with Mick. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but basically, yeah, I saw it. It was like basically in 2016, he basically, he, he said basically the same thing when they come over Leeds, we dominated the game and it's just, what, what, I don't know what world he's on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where, what happens, goes on in his head. Um, I can't stand him. Um, like Mick said at the time, it's a, he just loves to exercise his mouth, I've seen, I guess so. But yeah, he can, hopefully he doesn't have the last laugh when we play him second half of the season. If he's still Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be, yeah. And the um, the final man to introduce, of course, is good old John Watson. He's on half term, so hopefully he's, uh, yeah, he's cheering, cheering. How you doing, my friends? Um, your thoughts on the, the two results? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks, Ross. Um, good to be with everybody again. I'm really quite flat about football at the moment. It, I was so peeved off about the Doncaster result. Because, you know, as I've said before, that would have been my uh, closest game. For, I live in Doncaster. I would have gone to Lincoln for sure. And we took, I think why I personally was disappointed with the Lincoln result more than the Lincoln result in isolation was because Lambert talked about having a reaction, having this reaction. And the only reaction was Lambert being a bit <laughs> and handbags at dawn at the end of the match. Might maybe making up for the fact that the team didn't react as much as he promised they would. I thought we were lightweight and it, it was a crap game, let's be fair. It was boring. I, I'm, I'm struggling now, less than a week on, to recall the game, you know, and, and maybe I'm getting a bit older or whatever. But um, Enciala made another mistake, didn't he? Um, as Thomas rightly said, I think he made uh, a lunge that he didn't need to make, kind of leaning in. It gave the referee a decision to make, and for me, it was a penalty. I saw it coming. In the first half, to be fair, I thought he was going to do exactly the same, and he, he didn't. Um, and I said to you after the game, Ross, that in both the Lincoln game and the Gillingham game, I think it shows how much we're missing Flynn Downs. I think uh, our midfield, our bite, Thomas rightly says, we need to do a bit of the dirty stuff. Downs would have taken a little bit of that on, and I just feel we're really missing him. Um, Hawkins header was great Guion should have scored I think he might have used up some of his magic boots early on in the season because he could have had a goal on Lincoln he should have had a one at Gillingham as well um, tactically I thought the shape was slightly different at times I thought Ward and Chambers were playing a lot more narrow and when Ward was drifting in I think that was a mistake. Whether that was fitness and he couldn't get quite up and down as much, I don't know. Um, moving on to Gillingham, uh, I agree with everything Thomas said. I'm really crossing myself that Evans does get underneath my skin because if I had to, if I was going to swear, it would be at him because he's a he is an absolute walk and talk and muppet. He is just a fat waste of space and. Uh, he rails me. He did when he was. Remember a few years ago um, when his team stayed up. I can't remember who it was. Was it Barnsley or something? Rotherham, maybe. And, um, I can't remember who it was, and he was like, um, 
You said we're good. he was on the radio afterwards on Five Live. He said one of the other players in the week before said the pressure's all on them and and they're gonna we're gonna test their bottle. And he was like going on about oh the only bottle you we I'm drinking from is champagne and we're gonna have a crate of it. Kind of. I was like oh you absolute tosser. Um, <laughs> he's just an obnoxious man. Um, so I'm really disappointed in Lambert for getting sent off on Saturday because that meant COVID or not, or COVID testing or not, he should have been there to just tell him to shut up. Um, and I would have tolerated him getting sent off for Steve Evans, but mouthing enough to a referee, I'm not going to have. Um, There's a lovely photo that somebody tweeted about Jimmy Walker just sit, standing laughing at Evans. I love that photo. That was brilliant. Um, I was surprised Wilson was dropped entirely on, um, you know, we talked about man management. Toto was on the bench, but Wilson wasn't. I was a bit surprised by that because actually Wilson wasn't really our fault on Saturday and lots of us didn't have him dropping out necessarily. Um, I do think that um, McGuinness looks a good player and um, I know it's only early doors, but I like the look of him. I would like to see more. It was good to see Wolfie back. I actually thought McGuinness, I said it last time, I thought McGuinness might be ahead of Wolfie. And I think actually on that performance, he probably was. Um, Bishop was probably our most positive player. Um, Ed, Edwards was good attacking wise as well. I don't think if Lambert had been there, um, Dobra would have got on. Um, and I think it's a massive statement that Emir Hughes didn't start that game. I've reflected on that, and we're talking about. I mean, he's a fairly big bloke, isn't he? You know, when you look at him when he comes on, he, he's got a bit more stature about him. But by playing Lancaster and Bishop in front of Dazel as that three. Um, Lancaster and Bishop a bit too lightweight um, as a pair um, Hughes should have been in there but I think this is probably last chance alone for Amir Hughes um, Freddie should have scored a couple of times uh, and although I think it was Liam who said we were getting lots of crosses in the ball, in, into the box a lot of them were just hopeful though there, there, there wasn't that much quality and the court, we had so many corners and so many Hopeful lift, lifted balls into the box, and I still felt a bit flat. Bishop's goal, in retrospect, I was a bit flat after the game on um, Tuesday, um, but Bishop's goal was really well taken. So I think if we just, if you take the Doncaster game out of the three game series, if you like, I would have accepted the result against Lincoln and then the response at Gillingham, uh, at home to Gillingham, sorry. But what I wasn't happy about is you put all three together. And I think the Doncaster, then Lincoln. Uh, do you know, are we really? I had the pleasure of watching Andy Warren's brilliant and the team's brilliant um, 2000 Wembley um, documentary this morning and last night. And was blown away by it, just brought back so many amazing memories. And, you know, watching that and then thinking 20 years later, we're saying we're happy to beat Gillingham 1 0 and happy. With the performance against Lincoln to get beaten one nil after being beaten four, I'm not fucking happy. Oh, sorry, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all. I really am not happy. And I know we're League One. I need to get my my head in gear. But we should not be getting beaten by bloody Lincoln. I'm sorry. I'm 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 I am paved by that. And I know we have got no god given right to win games of football. But why haven't we got players like Tony Mowbray's heart and passion? Going up and winning balls in the box, or 
you know, watch, watching people like Matt Holland. I know we're not even talking about their calibre. I'm just talking about their heart and the commitment. And I've defended John Nolan many a time on this pod. I thought his tackle at Lincoln was ridiculous, especially when we were out downs, to get himself so petulantly sent off. Yeah, frustrated, but I'm bloody frustrated watching them. And, you know, I behave myself. He's a professional. Like, three-game ban there when we're light in midfield. You know, I would call it. Just fucking get him in. Okay. Well, I've got a few hands up. I want to go over to you, Thomas. Um, what have you actually got to add to yes. what John said or anything? To quote that, um, to quote that manager, Gillingham, um, I don't think that Lambert boy would have um, dropped Wilson if he wasn't fit, to be honest. Um, I mean, there's obviously something that's not been announced there. I guess when this pod- podcast goes out, it might have been announced in, in the press conference um, Friday morning. So I personally don't think he'd have dropped Wilson if it wasn't for the fact he's either got a knock or something like that, because obviously it was Toto's fault for the loss on Saturday. Um, I don't really see why Wilson needed to fall out of favour like that. Um, if he has, then it's just poor man manager in my eyes. Um, I don't, that's sad. In my eyes, if, if Wilson was dropped, it's either because of a knock or fitness. I wouldn't see it's his performance at all. Um, I'm not sure if it's true. It, you know, it might be confirmed later on. I don't know. But um, that's, that's what I took from it. I know Liam and John have both said, I don't understand why he was dropped. But, I, you know, I, in my eyes, I don't think there was a reason as such, as apart from he's just not fit um, to be in the squad on Tuesday. Um, so, obviously, we'll see with that. And then I watched the Wembley 2000. Uh, documentary this morning as well. It's brilliant, great watch. Um, but what I got whilst watching it, you know, there's a song at the moment by Dermot Kennedy, you know, Giants. I guess everyone's heard it, but it reminds me of Ipswich. I know we weren't Giants as such, but we were a big club. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got these fantastic players playing for us in 2000, you, even 20 years ago, winning the UEFA Cup. Like we were a big club. And all of a sudden, we're down here in League One, like John said, talking about whether a win against Jalinga was great. and Lincoln is just how far how far have we fallen when did it stop when did we stop being this big club it's, it's so much that's happened in the past 20 years since that documentary and also watching that as well in the end with Stuart and Mowbray um just how passionate and how much they felt for the club I mean Stuart even walking off when he got asked the question it's just who who in the team right now would give you that response I don't I can't think of anyone Chambers you think I, I think so. Chambers would be the close. Chambers clearly cares about the club. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I I, I I'm not putting them up in the same echelons as Mowbray and Venus. As we're not talking about players, here, we're talking about Hart. But he, he has been at the club for a, you know a lot of years now. He's going to feel some of that. I don't think it'll be anywhere near the same. Right. But but you know more so than most, I think. He's the only one I can think of, though. If, I, if you had to give another name, I can't think of anyone. Maybe Holy, but he hasn't been here that long. And it, his, you know, his, we, we can see from his Instagram post that he, he cares about the club, but I don't think it's anywhere near Stuart, Mowbray, even Naylor and um, those kind of players. You know, they all, you can just sense there's just so much love for the club. And it's just, since they've gone, it's, we've just gone so, so far down. And it's a shame. And um, Liam, I saw your hand up, my friend. Anything else to add for the two games or um, anything that's these I guys mean, said? I mean, I think it is it is sad where the club finds itself. But I mean, I'll be honest. Last season, I mean, I think Town are playing better this season. Um, and okay, the Doncaster result was was a bit of a 
bring back down to earth kind of result. But um, I think they are playing better this season. I couldn't have cared less if Town had basically got promoted last season, winning all the games the way they were, winning 1-0 and being very kind of scratchy, if it meant winning and getting out of this division. Unfortunately, Town can't really build anything in League One. They, they, they're being dragged under and you, you look at the light and the danger is you look at Sunderland. That, that, that for me is the benchmark. You look at Sunderland who really aren't a League One club either. They should be at least a championship, if not maybe in the Premier League um, as they were. But obviously we know a lot of their mismanagement has caused them to be where they are. But they have a big stadium, a big support, and yet they're in League One playing the likes of AFC Wimbledon. And they've been here for a few seasons now. And this is just town's second season. But to be honest, I, I couldn't care less about deficiencies in the team that against better sides, this, that and the other. I just want to see town win games. And if it means winning scratchily, then I think we just got to... So against Gillingham on Tuesday night, yeah, it, it wasn't perfect. Um, first half was good and then the second half, they dropped off it and Gillingham could have easily maybe at least got at least a goal out of it. But Town found a way to win it. And that, that's the sort of thing that gives me a little bit more hope. But then maybe that's just me being positive. The one thing that I find frustrating about Town is the last couple of games, and I said about Lincoln, that they didn't create a lot, but they controlled the game. They had the control of the ball. And Lincoln really for a team that are top of the league, were very average. And Town kept the ball and stopped them being a danger pretty much most of the match. But what I, I, I really frustrates me is there are players in that side. You've got Bishop, you've got Lancaster, you even got Dobra who, who came on Tuesday night, which um, I was quite happy to see. They're players who can get the ball and run at people. And when I say be more direct, I don't mean let's get the ball and just hoof it to the big man and just long ball, that's it. I mean, if they if you get these sort of players, get hold of the ball, get it and go on the run. Take on players and, and commit people. Because at this level, that is the only way that you're going to score lots of goals because most of the teams will see town as somewhat as a scout and they'll be set up more defensively. And OK, their players might be more inferior, but as a team, if they work to their system and are harder to beat, then you need to find ways to get them out of those really rigid formations. And I just don't see that enough from Towns players of play, people getting hold of the ball and going on a run and committing players and creating space to potentially create more opportunities. And that's what I want to see more of. That's where we miss KVY. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John, if you want to add any more, and then we'll go over to Simon as well, because I hadn't yeah. heard from Simon for a little bit, so I'll get, <laughs> get Simon involved a little bit. But, John, quickly, over to you, my friend. Yeah, I just wanted to say the, the other frustration on Saturday for me was Lambert's stupid comments after the game. Um, that I think that's what heightened my frustration, because we're not stupid, we're not mugs we shouldn't be taking as that yeah i'm talking about being delighted 
how can you say I couldn't have asked for more? Yes, you could have asked for more. You could have asked for your players to concede a goal or show some fight when we did. You could have asked for your players to give even more reaction. Um, so this whole kind of PR poll that I never bought into before, um, but I'm sick of him saying, yep, yeah, really good, really good, yep, yeah, really good, or excellent, outstanding. Couldn't Piss off, we were bang average. You really were average. And, you know, early, early on in this season, we would have taken a couple of chances and maybe, you know, at Blackpool, we took our chances. We were, cl- we were clinical. And we didn't do that against Lincoln or Gillingham. But there wasn't much in it. And it wasn't much in it when we were scoring a few more goals either. We just were clinical. But for him to say we're playing this brilliant football, we weren't. Don't kid us, man. We're not stupid. We were watching it, albeit on iFollow. We're still watching it. So, And I was quite pleased when, in a bizarre way, that Lambert wasn't there on Tuesday night, um, other than missing out on the potential return of the Honey Badger against Evans. But that whole kind of... I was interested to see what Stuart Taylor was going to say after the game. And he started with, like... The boys were brilliant from, or what wasn't the word brilliant? I can't remember the excellent from the from the off. We were good first half, but second half they we allowed them back in the game. And at half time, you, I was feeling, God, if we don't take a chance, you know, this could end up being a nil nil, or they might just nick it. And with ten minutes to go, they were the team more likely to score. Um, I don't believe Evans was right that they played us off the park, but. You know, let's not kid ourselves. We're a League One team at the moment, struggling to do some of the nitty-gritty, dirty stuff that we need to do. And I think we have to look at the squad we have. And we said too much at the beginning of the season that we had a really too many people in midfield. But actually, you take downs out of that. Who is the player who's going to break up play properly and who's going to have that energy... I mean, Edwards does that in his role, to be fair. He really does work hard. But, you know, across the middle, Nolan's proved that he's in and out at best, isn't he? He's he's not a, he's either an eight or he's a four or a five out of ten, isn't he? He's not very consistent. And Bishop, it's great to see Teddy Bishop having a run of games. But we just need somebody of steel. And I that's why I keep going back to Hughes. I think Hughes has to step in. And maybe people will probably slate me for it, but I think we're missing Cole Skews. Okay. You think okay. Lambert actually tells the players that, or do you think it's just for our our benefit? Because it would be worrying if he is telling the players, pat on the back, oh, you played brilliant today. Surely they're being given a different message in training, kind of told, look, that that, that it was good, but I'm keeping you out of the the media limelight. But. Yeah. I, well, I, I, just, I I would be astounded if if they are if that same message is being relayed privately because if that is, then no wonder town aren't really putting in better performances because they think they're already at the best. It's better than what Hurst did though. Like after the Exeter game in the Carling uh, Cup, whoever it was at the time, you know, he went on medium just basically slated them all. It's that's not the way for yeah. it. I, I, I think I'd rather what Lambert, I think I'd rather what Lambert's doing than what Hurst did. But there's somewhere in between, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, say, yeah. I agree with that. You can be honest and, and have integrity in, and be kind of humble about it and say, you know, weren't 
um, dangerous as we could have been, but I'm play, pleased with the pattern of play or the players are responding to how we're trying to play. I agree with that. I think they they know the job's better this year because we, he's not changing it seven times a game. Um, I think we still need a plan B because we don't have a plan B, but it's not plan A to Z every single fortnight, is it? Um, <laughs> so I don't mind him building up the players up and saying we're, we're, we're following a structure, we're following... They're doing the best. They're doing. Yeah, it's only going to be a matter of time before the boys need a bit of help. There's a lot of youngins in the team. We're going to need a. You know, he'll start saying it again. We just need a bit of help. Yeah. Well, you've had you've had two seasons now, mate. Almost. It must be pushing. Yeah. Hurst got sacked in end of October, didn't he? Yeah. After the Leeds game. Yeah. Mm. So he, Lambert's been in for almost two years. So he has to start taking responsibility for the squad he's got now. So, yeah. Isn't that why you kind of brought in Ward, though? A bit of help. You've got Ward in there now. You've got Chambers, with experienced head. It's not, you know, you can't help injuries this season because there's so much of a clog up. So. Mm. Okay. Well, um, before we wrap up the chat of the game, Simon, do you want to add anything else? You've, you've been able to listen to these three guys <laughs> talk, talk, talk. So um, do you want to add anything else, my friend? Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of the, the point that's been said. I, I think the, the thing with Lambert's comment about uh, we, we play really good football, I mean, between both boxes, yeah, we probably do. In the midfield, we pass it nicely amongst ourselves. It looks very pretty, but it just doesn't go anywhere a lot of the time. It, it feels like vanity. It's like just for, it feels like we're bumping up stats, but the best teams, eventually, you've got to move the ball quickly forward. It's okay moving it side to side, but once the angle's created to move the ball quickly forward, that's when we need to do that more, get the ball quickly. And I think we did that better against, particularly first half against Gillingham with Wolfen and McGuinness there because the ball came out from Holy. Those two were very positive in possession, quicker into Dazelle, uh, and he had then more space to distribute the ball uh, around the pitch, which is obviously what he's there to do. Um, uh, I was very impressed with those two, actually, particularly against two very physical Gillingham centre-forwards in uh, Akinde and Dominic Samuel who didn't look as poor as he did when he was here, um, <laughs> I, I think um, they, they did very well. Because that, that was a real test, particularly for McGuinness, on his professional debut. I mean, it was hard. It kind of You could easily forget that when you watched the performance. He was very short on the ball, uh, looked, looked very calm. Uh, and I think he, talking about leaders, he, he looked like he was a leader on the pitch as well, despite being a young kid. Okay, then. Oh, Thomas, one more thing you want to add? I was just, just going to say, going, when we attack, I feel like we look more threatening when Edwards is on the left. I don't know if anyone... As soon as you put him yeah, on the right, yeah, he, looks, yeah, but, yeah, but he, he looks more lost when he's on the right. And mm. put him on the left and we look a different side. We, like, we beat Blackpool 4-1 when he was on the left-hand side. I think he runs shows. down blind alleys when he's on the right-hand side. He just, yeah, yeah. just run out of room and just put... Yeah. And John? I guess, Ross, we'll get to this in a little bit more detail when we talk about um, Saturday and Tuesday. But for me, I've said it before, what kind of idiot plays the player most in form out of position just to yeah. accommodate? Like, I'm not being silly. Bennett's has done quite well, hasn't he, so, so far? Surely it's time to give him a go on the right-hand side and let Guion Edwards play in the left-hand side where we know he's at his best, where he stated... All of his career, he, he prefers to be there. Not right back, not wherever else he's being played. But let's play the player who actually, when he gets the ball, has confidence right now. He, mm. And he causes danger. Um, 
let's have him on the left for the next few games, please. Please. And, please. and, and Lancaster's not a centre mid. He's moved him from the right from the right wing, let's say, and put him in centre mid. That's going to hurt his confidence as well, surely. He's not a, he shouldn't be playing there. He did play there for the under-23s, didn't he, a couple of weeks he, ago? So they're obviously thinking that he can play there. He's very lightweight. That midfield is very, yeah. of course, lightweight yeah. with, you know, Bishop ready in there and Dazel. So, yeah, I think going back to John's point, I mean, for big away games, when you've got that kind of lightweight midfield, that's when it really seems to show up when teams try and come and bully us away from home. Definitely. Totally agree. I just think, you know, as a Sunderland boy myself, I know what, I know the crowds aren't there, but at a packed stadium of light, and thank God the crowds aren't there, at a packed stadium of light, if they kind of got an early goal, Sunderland that is, um, and our midfield was Dazelle, Lancaster, and Bishop, and they got on top. That's the sort of suddenly you could feel like that could be a destroying of a young young midfield and some of the youngsters because they, they always are a little bit more savvy. They have players who know how to do the dirty. They all equally can fail as well, otherwise they wouldn't be in League One. But, um, you know, I just worry about us not having a stronger spine at the moment. OK, well, we'll move on and we'll go into one of the stories of the week. Um, Kieran Dyer is back at the football club. Um, he'll be taking, he'll be leading a coaching role with the under-23s. Um, of course, he was previously under-18s coach with Adam Ate, but he's now back after 18 months after leaving. He will also be joined by fellow former town players in Terry Butcher and Jason Azell. As they will be uh, playing their part alongside Kieran in the development of young players at the club, of course, Adamate. And Jared Nash, who was the under 23s coach, is now moving into a scouting uh, role for the first team. So uh, I'll go over to you, Simon, first. Your thoughts on, on this, Kieran Dar back at the club? And, you know, he's you know, it's up there as a potential of a, a future town manager, maybe one day. You know, your thoughts on this, my friend? Yeah, uh, I. He's been very, he's not been secret, has he, that he, he wants that town job one day. I mean, I think when you look at back at him as a player, you thought you would never have imagined that he was going to be a manager. He looked like he was too much of a hothead, always had that bit of a bad boy reputation, probably undeserved at, at times in his career, um, particularly. But you look at that kind of red card for Newcastle when he fought with Lee Bowyer, you don't, you didn't look like a management potential then. But I mean, I, I listened to the interview he did with Alan Lee, which uh, King, Kings of Anglia put out, and, and it, I was really taken aback, really, by how deeply he clearly thinks about the game and how he was caring for the younger players, probably learning from his own experience. I mean, he worked under Burley and Robson, which are, you think about it, two of the best managers this club's ever had. So he can't help but have, have learned from those guys uh, in terms of how he wants to develop his own coaching career. Uh, and I know he he was with the under-18s, but he's kind of gone away now. I think he did some work with the England under-21s. He went to Belgium. So he, he's not taken anything for granted. It's clearly something he really wants to do. And he, he's doing making all the right steps, you have to say. He's learning from different places. Um, and, and I'm pleased he's back at the club because you, you watch that uh, documentary and on the 2000 playoff final. You can tell he loves this club uh, so deeply, so passionate, said he was so gutted to miss out on playing in that game. And you, you really got that sense that he's still a fan of the team. And yeah, one day you, you could definitely see it if he carries on progressing the way he is 
maybe needs maybe a, a lower league club professionally first before he comes in and takes the big job. But you could definitely see it uh, at some point in the future. Um, Thomas, uh, would you have Kieran Dar as a town manager in a few years if you know he does do well? Potentially, yeah. Um, if he does well under twenty three, I'm glad he's back. Um, happy for him. It's obviously like I agree with everything Simon said. It's obviously something he wants to do, want to pursue. Um, obviously, if he's got Terry Butcher by his side, and also um, who's that? One? Oh, Dazelle, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's he's going to learn from two or three of the best people he he can do, and so if he can keep pushing on, eventually he might get himself in a position where he can become a manager and hopefully excel. Um, yeah, I'm I'm glad he's here. Simon's done my point about the Wembley 2000. Uh, <laughs> he, you could tell from when he was being interviewed, you know, he was he's still passionate about the club. He, he still supports the team. You know, the fact that he said he was jealous that you know he he was happy for the team, but he was jealous that he couldn't be at Wembley and actually get promoted with him. You know, it's you can just the passion's still there, and I think that's something we need at the club. So if he can help develop the under 23s for now, and then eventually maybe push on, then why not? Um, I'm all for it. And, um, you know, Liam, he knows, of course, some of the young players in the first team already. Like, he was part of, you know, Dobra coming through, even Lancaster and stuff like that. So, once again, he knows, he's, he's a former player, so, and he's a, he came through the academy here, so he knows how it works. So, it's great to have him here. You know, your thoughts on this? Um, uh, it's kind of a surprise, but not a surprise at the same time. I mean, what everyone else has said, it's not a surprise in the fact that, he clearly loves Ipswich and, and clearly wants the top job one day. But um, it is a bit of a surprise that it's just kind of come out of the blue because I thought that he left the under-18s because he wasn't particularly happy with Lambert and the philosophy in the club at the time. And that's why he went out to go and try something different and further his career. Um, and then all of a sudden he's come back and he's going to step up now. So he's just one one level away from the first team. But, I mean, it can't be bad to have one of your your old um, products come back to the club and, and potentially take charge. Um, he knows the club. And as you say, with the fact of the uh, youth system, he came through it. He knows how much Ipswich relies on youth players and going forward. So, I mean, clearly he will have a passion for the club. And if he does uh, make it to the manager seat in the next four to five years, maybe, then I'm sure he'll give it his all. I just wonder if we talk about Luke Chambers in, in a bit of jest about being a future Ipswich town manager for the time being. Uh, and some people say, well, if Lambert goes, maybe Chambers will walk straight into it. But... The point that I, I hear a lot about what Andy Warren says quite a lot is that he needs to go out and manage someone else and get earnest stripes almost before he gets the job. And I just wonder if Kieran Dyer needs to properly do that himself and go and go and get himself a lower league club maybe or or um maybe abroad and just just have a couple of years maybe managing just to get that experience. Um, I heard Mike Bacon on the podcast today talk about getting someone that he trusts um, to come in alongside him. 
Um, because it's great having Butcher and Dazelle, who again another Ipswich legends alongside him. But he needs to get his own his own man, I think, his own right hand man who will make a difference to him as a manager. Um and I just wonder if he was to go away and do that, then um then that'll make him a better manager and give him a much better chance of being a better Ipswich boss. But can't see anything wrong with him being the under-23s manager. He knows the philosophy of the club and the players. And um, I'm sure it will be to the advantage of Ipswich, him being involved in the club. And good luck to him. And if he if he makes it to the, the manager's step from the under-23s, then uh, I can't see it as being a bad thing. And John, your thoughts on this? You know, Jim Magilton was still a player and he then got appointed manager. So that was his first job in management. And, you know, he, I think he had Stephen, uh, Steve McCall, who's a legend at the club, won a UEFA Cup as part of his assistant and Brian Klug and stuff like that. So, you know, Kieran Dark had sort of, I know he's retired now for many years, but, um, you know, Jim Magilton's done it. So, yeah, your thoughts on this, my friend? I've always liked Kieran Dyer. I mean, I was lucky enough to see him play quite a few times for town and, uh, Sadly, saw him break his leg, you know, and he but he was only out for about five weeks or six weeks with a break. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and he was such a terrific player for us. Sad to see him go to the, the barcodes up the road from where I was living at the time. Um, but, um, you know, we all know that the money reinvested from his sale helped us ultimately gain promotion. And that 2000, uh, when we experienced that we were talking about earlier, he kind of was part of the building of that, both in terms of what he did on the pitch and then his transfer fee and bringing in um, John McGrail and um, Marcus Stewart, of course, and that kind of thing. Um, as a player, I think he's a typical, brilliant English youngster that doesn't quite deliver on the highest level. You, you know, maybe the nearest thing right now would be somebody like Jack Grealish, um, you know, Somebody who's potentially got the world at his feet, but there's something not quite there. I've always liked Kieran Dyer, and I love that famous interview when he stopped in the street in his red T-shirt um, <laughs> when somebody asks him, will he be going to um, see Ipswich play? Um, and he says, well, I'll be at the match because I, I play for them. And there's a, <laughs> the interviewer says, you know, really? <laughs> you play for them, Really? And he, and he said, yeah. Um, what's your name? He said, Kieran Dyer. And he's like, in the first team, you know, have you done that? Um, I've got to agree with everything Simon said. I, I've got a piece of paper I wrote down, Alan, in, Alan, Alan Lee interview. Really great, deep understanding. I've crossed that off because Simon's gone through that. I talked about, I wrote down Burley and Robson. Simon, bang on, mate. <laughs> you got that spot on. Um, if you can't learn from working alongside two very different people, but great man managers in different ways, real good philosophy, real good football people, that's a real um, key I also listened to, um, again, one of the, um, the the products you guys put out, Ross, with um, when um, he actually did some of the interviews, didn't he, Kieran did, with yeah. KVY, I think. KVY, and yeah. he did with, was it with Idris as well, I think. Yeah, Idris, yeah. Yeah. Um, and his rapport with the players was really, really good. Yeah. And I, I, from listening, I know it's only a snapshot of his life, listening to his conversation with Alan Lee, both of them really impressed me with their deep understanding of the game. Yeah. Um, and then his relationship with the players, I think that sa- sounds really promising. He's, as everybody said, he's got passion for Ipswich. So, yeah, um, I'm really pleased to have him back at the club. 
I think it will be too soon for him to be manager of Ipswich if something did happen with Lambert. Um, but I wouldn't be again. I'd rather give Kieran Dyer and a, a good assistant a goal than some other cart horses that might be linked if we were managerless at the moment. Um, and people give Dyer a bit of a hard time. Wasn't he still living at home with his mum when he was when when he moved to Newcastle? He went for six million, yeah. and the Newcastle. Yeah, if he had gone to Man United under Ferguson, I think we would have had a different Kieran Dyer. He went to Newcastle. And I used to go out in Newcastle on a Saturday night and they get bought him a flat in the Quayside in Newcastle. I mean, if you're, what, 20 years old or whatever he was, 22, I can't, I can't even remember, maybe 21, 22, when he went to Newcastle. If a club, by suddenly you've been living with your mum and you've never lived away from home, and then they buy you a flat, a, a luxury apartment in one of the biggest, business, biggest nights out in the UK, and expect you not to have a little bit of life, uh, you know, he probably needed some good people around him, yeah. and I'm not saying he didn't. I don't know the situation, but you know, the club have to take a little bit of the, you know, uh, the responsibility for looking after young players, um, as well as the young player themselves. But I hope he's a success here. Um, he's he's clearly an Ipswich Town boy, both uh, in the sense of his heart and his soul. So brilliant. Let's have him. Let's have him being successful. And um, one thing before I go over to you, to you, Liam, to wrap up, I'll fully recommend to anybody to read his book. I don't really read much because, you know, that's a bad thing to say. Um, you know, I do read, you know, but like probably read a book throughout. Um, he's got his book. He's a fantastic read. If you ever get a chance to read it, read it. It's, you know, amazing. Um, yeah, anyway, Liam, you end up, you wrap it up. Um, I just wanted to say um, just the kind of point that Simon made at the beginning that, the way he was as a player and the certain incidents that got he got involved in, you would never imagine him being a manager. But I think he's a really honest guy. And he he's honest with himself that he made mistakes and that he maybe didn't have the career that the um that John said, uh, that the stardom didn't come to him um as much as what we expected at that age and at that time. And I think that can only make him as a better manager, that he, he realises his mistakes and that will make him a better manager. And with the youngsters as well, I think that that will help the youngsters with him being involved, keep them grounded too. Well, let's move on to a another story that happened this week and it's just a stupid story. So it's town, of course, are exploring the possibility of screening matches at Portman Road over the coming months. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to be at the ground. The game's going to be happening behind the curtains and you can watch it with... So, Norwich, of course, had 200 supporters in their hospitality suites at Carrow Road to watch their game against Wickham. Um, it's just... Oh, it's mad. It's mad. Um, your thoughts on this, guys? Also, Sunderland are going to be doing that for the game when we play them at Stadium Light on a Tuesday. But they won't be in the stands. They'll just be in their suites. So... It's strange, you know. I'll go over to you, Thomas. Your your thoughts on this, my friend? You, you said it's stupid. <laughs> I, I, why? I, why? Why should they be allowed to open ground if we're not allowed to go in, in the actual inside bit? I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Um, I think it. I think mean, I kind of feel like Norwich are doing it to make a point that you can, you know, there's flaws with all the rules and everything like that. Um, 
which I completely understand why they're doing it. Um, it is stupid. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of revenue for them. It's not much, but it's something. But yeah, um, I don't agree with it. I when, when we first talked about when Norwich started doing it, I said to Katie, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. Um, I completely disagree with it. Um, it's, it's, like I say, if if we should be going to the ground, we should be going to sit in our seats. I don't really see why we should be sitting anywhere else. It's, it's still a chance to spread the virus. Um, even if it's inside, it's worse than what it would be outside. Socially distanced from like sitting in my seat and then having two or three seats between me, it's outside. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to say much else because it'll, it'll get me started. It's just stupid. Um, I don't agree with it. It's, but I don't know why the club is exploring it. It's obviously for revenue. Um, it's no point. Yeah, and uh, you know, Simon, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree with what Thomas has been saying. It's just baffling, isn't it? There's, I mean. You think you look at Pullman Road, it's a 30,000-seater stadium. You're telling me you couldn't get two, three, four thousand in there with people just dotted around the place. They would. There's no more chance of getting it in that kind of environment in, in an open-air arena than if you go to a bar with kind of six people, as you're allowed to do here. It, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And I, I think the thing that annoys me is that it, other stuff is open. If everything was shut, then football didn't, wouldn't have a case. But other things are open, so it feels like it's being picked on uh, unfairly in in a way. Um, I know they talk about fans being outside the ground before the game; that's their concern. But I mean, it's only like being on a high street. I mean, I don't, I just don't see the the connect between that. So I mean, I've signed the let fans in petition, and hopefully something will happen with that. It, it, I mean, I'm lucky because I've been able to go during the kind of lockdown period. Um, doing work with hospital radio and it's just not the same you go into the ground it's totally silent you hear all the players there's, there's just no it's just not football uh when you're in there it, it, it's a real uh you just you can't really describe the experience it just doesn't really feel right definitely and uh liam and john do you want to add any more what uh, thomas and Simon's already said john i definitely do i think it's a low i mean Channeling my inner David, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can feel, I can hear him somewhere. He's got inside. Um, I'm quite glad he's not here. He was... This would be here for ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will, I'll, I'll just say it's a load of nonsense, isn't it? It's absolutely stupid. You can't tell me that it's better for a group of people, any people, whether it's football fans or not, to be sat inside in a bar where there's not as good ventilation as sitting outside, socially distanced. Yes, there's some logistics to sort out, but no more than the logistics of a bar. No more the logistics of going to the toilet in a pub. It's just stupid. It's like I'm living in a tier three area at the moment, so I know restrictions are different everywhere, and I don't want us to be in lockdown, and everybody's health has to come first. All that stuff aside, but when it comes to logic, you know, we could get people in any football ground and have them safe. They just decided they're not going to make it happen. But to allow people to sit in the hospitality areas or the bars, you know, that are joined onto the club, you know, it's nonsense. Absolute load of nonsense. <laughs> and Liam, wrap up, my friend. Uh, uh, well, what everyone <laughs> said, it's completely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I completely understand why they're doing it. They'll make some revenue out of it get some people in the hospitality, but I have no idea why the curtains need to be closed, why you can't, because you're, you, you've got glass in front of you. You're not in a seat in the stadium. 
you are sat behind glass. So that why do why do you not have to have a view of the pitch? That, that this this is what baffles me. I, I can understand people wanting to go in, pay a bit of extra money in hospitality and watch the game through the glass or in hospitality boxes because you can keep socially distanced, especially in the boxes, because you can separate out. But to then go into the stadium where you've got a game 20 yards away and the curtains are closed and you're having to watch it on TV like everyone else is at home, it's just nonsense. Um, I I just think it's ridiculous. But it's going to be interesting because I've got... um, Obviously, um, my parents live in Scotland, so I've got a little bit of a, an interest in, in Scotland. And um, I used to, well, I still do support a Scottish club. And um, Nicola Sturgeon today has just released um, a tier system for Scotland, um, which is slightly different to the tier system in England. But the areas um, of uh, that are going into this tier one in Scotland um, are going to be allowed fans back in the ground socially distanced now of course the clubs are uh, smaller will have smaller stadiums and it will be less people but the point is is if uh, that goes ahead and my my club in Venice if if that happens where they have supporters in the ground Ross County as well up in the Highlands which is one of the areas in in this tier one area of Scotland if those clubs are getting fans back in whatever hundreds that they'll be allowed in, then that's going to that's gonna put a lot more pressure on Boris down here, um, basically uh, from the English authorities that are going to be going, well, Scotland are allowing some clubs in certain tiers that have less transmission to have fans back in the stadium. Why shouldn't that be the case in England, where Suffolk currently is in medium, which is the lowest tier, why should we be? Now. Why why should we be penalised? Can understand with John being in a tier three area that they won't get fans back to clubs in that region of the country. But like Suffolk, Ipswich, um, a really low area at the moment. I know it is rising, but it's low. Um, why we can't have fans back um, in the and reward the areas that do have. Um, low transmission rates but again it's it's a lack of logic from the government that um i'm not going into a political ramp but i think they've made a dog's dinner of the whole thing but yeah all right then well thomas one more thing to add just because i can understand the curtains because obviously it's it could be class and spectator then so if you've got someone caught watching out the window someone could argue that your street you're, you're showing the game to fans in the ground aren't you so it does make sense why the curtains have got to be shut in that sense for me. Um, I don't agree with it. I hate it. But I think, yeah, because I remember the, against Wigan, we, I think the, the club put a tweet out saying, um, one lucky fan, if you retweet this, you can sit in a box. And then they weren't allowed to because of EFL and government rules. So it's obviously to do with the, it it it'd just be illegal. You should, you're showing fans the game when you shouldn't be allowed, when you, according to the government, you shouldn't be allowed to. So mm. I can understand the curtains. I don't agree with it at all, but... No. All right, then. Well, let's go and move on to the weekend. Liam, your boys' crew (laughs) are heading down to Portman Road. Uh, Crew, of course, just been promoted from League Two. They're currently sitting 15th 
in League One um, after eight games. Three wins, one draw and four defeats. Let me get their results up. So lost on Tuesday night against Lincoln, a 1-0 defeat at home. Then they beat Doncaster 2-1. So two different results that we got. Um, so they beat Doncaster at Doncaster 2-1. So that's a fantastic result for them. Um, other results, they beat Wigan 3-0, beat MK Dons 2-0. Uh, they lost against Hull City 1-0, lost against Sunderland 1-0, drew against Blackpool 1-1. I'm going to just say all their results then. And they also lost their opening game against Cholton 2-0. So, uh, you know, we've got history of crew back in the 2000s. <laughs> I remember a 6-4 home win. That was just unbelievable scenes. I was like, I think I was only 10 at the time when that happened. I was like thinking, what is going on? The Joe Raw <laughs> era where just score oh, as many goals as you can to win the game. Um, so how are you guys feeling going into this? I'll go over to you, John. For Actually, no, Liam. I've got to go to Liam because this is his boys' crew. Um, how are you feeling going into this, my friend? Do you think uh, back-to-back wins is, well, it is needed, isn't it? Uh, well, um, it's not needed. It'll, it, should, it has to happen, yes. um, basically. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's crew or anyone else. It's a newly promoted side and town should be winning games at home against newly promoted sides. Um I mean, all of this, uh, apparently now I'm defined as being from crew, even though I was born there and haven't lived there since I was about three. But, um, but yeah, um, <laughs> uh, but then saying that, my first game to football was at crew, uh, watching a pre-season friendly in the late 90s against Everton when Kevin Campbell and Duncan Ferguson were up front and... Uh, then a few games in the early noughties and so on. And um, But I wasn't even living in Crewe then. I was actually in Scotland, so I was only visiting family. So it wasn't like I was going back to Crewe every second week to watch games at Gressley Road. But I do have a, a soft spot for my hometown club um, and always looked in on their results and, and just seen how they've done. Um when I when I was watching Crew, they had the likes of Dean Ashton and uh, Rob mm. Pulse up front. Um, <laughs> this was before he went to Norwich and yeah. uh, soddened his name. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he, he, I mean, um, they had some really good players, Kenny Lunt as well. Um, there was some, and obviously Ipswich, and the whole two thousand uh, Jermaine Wright. Um, so it. it for me, um, they should win. Crew, I don't know a huge amount about the squad now, but I know that it is a young squad. I know there is um, a lot of young players, but that is the way that crew work. Um, they go for they go for their youth. They've got a very good academy and always have done. They've brought through a lot of good players throughout the years, um, and that's how they make their money. Um, uh, it was very crazy in 2003-2004 where before Ashton was sold to West Ham, uh, Crew were in the playoffs to be in with a chance of going to the Premier League. <laughs> they sold Ashton and then just about avoided relegation. I don't think I'll ever see Crew ever in the second tier again. They're just not big enough club now. Um, but it's a game town should be winning. Um, but I don't think it'll be as easy as people might think, I mean, looking at the results, it's been very tight. Um, as you say, they only lost by a goal to Hull, who are up there. Um, they, they only lost by a goal to Lincoln, 
uh, on Tuesday night. Obviously, they went to Doncaster and did something that we couldn't do. Um, and, and they picked up some some decent results along the way. I think they'll be fine this season, crew, um, but they won't pull up any trees. So it should be should be a, a, a good win, comfortable win. But just just be a bit wary because I think they will be they are a young side and they will have quite a bit of energy, I think. So they, they won't be completely knocked off. But I think if uh, town, which they haven't been doing, can get an early goal, then it should be a comfortable win. What's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to say um, I'm going to go 2-0. Um, I think that's the standard. I don't think Town score enough goals, um, so I don't think he'll be any more than two. Um, but after Gillingham, where they struggled <laughs> to score more than one in the end, um, I think it'll be 2-0, though. I think if they can get a goal, then they'll win the game comfortably. Um, but it could be another game like uh, Tuesday night where we may have to just be a bit patient to begin with. And over to you, Thomas. So how are you feeling going into this? And uh, yeah, t- team selection as well. Um, I'm feeling okay. It's not, not worried as such. You know, I, I agree with what Liam was saying. It's, it's going to be a difficult game in terms of we will, they will probably take it to us more than we think they will it will be they'll be tougher than we think um obviously they beat Doncaster so they've got something about them I want to go one nil town uh I you know they've could only beat in one nil so that's where it's coming from really <laughs> and obviously with our performances at the moment I can't see us scoring more than two or three so um I'll go with one nil um especially as Liam and Brad have gone two nil now so I can't really go for the two <laughs> <laughs> I've got to protect my uh league at, lead at the top though so <laughs> But yeah, one nil for me. Um, I wouldn't change it too much. Obviously, keep McGuinness and Wolfden at the back. Holy will still in goal. Chambers, Ward. If Ward can go again, I mean, he's now played Saturday, Tuesday. This might be a lot to ask for him to play again on the Saturday. I don't know. But um, if it was me and he's fit to go, put him in. So keep this back four. Uh, I'd take Lancaster out, putting who's. I mean, I don't think none, there's none too much, man. I can't. Three, 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 three yeah. red. So yeah, yeah, so obviously he won't be available. So bring bring in who's hopefully he can finally do something for us this season because he hasn't really hasn't really shown anything yet. Um, you can kind of understand why he was he didn't start on Tuesday, but Lancaster didn't do enough for me to keep that place in to keep his place. Sorry, he's, uh, I don't think he should be playing there anyway. So um, I replace Lancaster for who's and then I drop Sears. I bring on Bennett and put Edwards on the left and keep Hawkins in the middle. Because um, admittedly, yeah, I was a bit critical on Tuesday night, but he can still hold the ball up when he wants to, and he does things. He doesn't need to score because he's still providing the assists and the little bits that he does do is vital for us going forward. So I'd keep Hawkins in there, um, and Lancaster. I'm uh, not Lancaster. Um, Jackson obviously will be back. You know, he has another option for us in the second half off the bench. Um, bit of pace um, for Edwards to pass it to for him to run in and get that goal that I've been talking about. <laughs> and um, before I go over to Simon and John, I've got Liam putting hand up. That's one thing I was going to mention, actually, is, yeah, Jackson is, of course, back. He's, you know, returned after recovering from coronavirus. So that's good to hear and it does get that option as an average striker. But, yeah, Liam, what have you got to add? I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't make wholesale changes, but, I mean, 
Um, if it uh, for me, it shouldn't be a game that Town should be too troubled about. So if they decided to put Kenlock back in and give Ward a break, I I wouldn't be against that because we need Ward for um, Tuesday night against Sunderland, which is That's the true. bigger game. And 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 uh, obviously it might come back to completely bite us if we made changes and took crew lightly and then end up not winning the game. But that game against Sunderland is huge. So in terms of changes, I, I if if there are some players there that maybe need um a break then but I, I agree with Tom with the two centre halves. I'll keep them. And if they perform well then they 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 remain the same on against Sunderland. Okay. And then um, I'll go over to you, Simon, and uh, get your thoughts on this game. Um, as their crew, you know, they've had a a case start to their first season back in League One, but how are you feeling and your prediction? Yeah, I, I've agreed with a lot of what's been said so far. I, you get the sense it's going to be a tight game. I mean, they've only lost by the odd goal. They, they're clearly no mugs, not being disgraced. I mean, first time back at this level for a while. Um, town, town, I think, will have to be patient as they were on... On Tuesday, um, I, I agree with if they get the early goal, that will really change the dynamics of the game because it will force Crew to come out at us and with that space to counter-attacking behind, as you say, with Jackson maybe coming on in the second half to exploit that space um, would be a, a real positive. Um, I would have picked the exact same team as Thomas, actually, um, um, and agree with the point on, on Ken Locker Ward, potentially, if, if Ward feels, if we feel like, Ward can't do three games in a week, then I think bring Kenlock in. Yeah. But apart from that, I, I think keep keep the back four the same because they, they did well in, in midweek. Um, yeah, uh, and I think Keenan Bennett has done enough. In, in the, the glimpses I've seen of him, I think he's done enough to, to earn a start, particularly over Freddie, who, who doesn't look quite right. I mean, he's missed a lot of few good chances uh, on Tuesday as well. So um, maybe that will kind of inspire the team to score a few more goals. What's your, what's your prediction? Uh, I reckon 2-0. Another 2-0. Okay. And then um, finally over to you, John. I'm also going to get you get your thoughts on your your boy Sunderland as well. <laughs> I always say your boys, but, you know, cl- you know where, where you're from. Uh, so how are you feeling going into this, my friend? Your prediction and then your thoughts on Sunderland as well. Just before we go, you need to unmike. You need to unmike. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. There he is. He's back. There he is. That's, yeah, sorry for that. Uh, my girls were charging around. Um, like I say, every week, we, there's no team in this league we should be not thinking we should go in and win. And that's not being arrogant. It's just thinking, you know, the points are there for, for the taking, aren't they? If we go and perform the way we're capable of performing, our home to a newly promoted signing crew. I've got a lot of respect for crew as a club. I think they've always tried to do things the right way. Like people like Danny Murphy, um, Rob Jones, the Liverpool player, uh, Jeff Thomas, um, Robbie Savage, I think. Uh, yeah. Lots David of, Platt. Yeah, David Platt. Yeah, we're talking about. All came through the crew youth system. So there's a. All right. <laughs> Big up to the crew, massive. Um, <laughs> the, uh, they've obviously always tried to do play decent football. Dario Grady, uh, for years, always brought youngsters through. So, you know, they're a club who try to get it right and they make their living by bringing youngsters through and selling on. And we've had to do a little bit of that. We're a little bit similar. Obviously, 
from for me we're a much bigger club but a similar type of philosophy um that respect kind of said we should be tonking them uh, <laughs> uh i'm gonna go for a three one i don't think we'll keep a clean sheet i think an early goal will have to it's not going to be if we score early on, I can see us getting the 3-1, but it could equally be a KG 1-0 like it was against Gillian. But I'm going to be brave. Uh, I was going to say 2-0, but I'm I'm never one for conforming. So I'm going to I say... I thought the 4-1 was coming out then. No, no. <laughs> a couple of dodgy defeats. Is, I've knocked it back to three, Liam. Um, <laughs> I would go exactly with um, the team that everybody said, really. So... Um, I would love to say KV, KV Wyatt right back, but well, is that going to happen this year? Is it going to be February, March? He's just a forgotten man. Yeah. I can tell you for a fact Wolfie's starting because I saw a tweet just earlier on saying Wolfie's doing the press tomorrow. So hopefully, unless he falls <laughs> over or tests positive or something in the falls meantime. <laughs> yeah, falls out. Yeah. Biggest bluff so ever. <laughs> I presume it's going to be Chambers, Wolfie, McGuinness and Ward. Um, I agree with what everybody said about Ward being really important. So if he's if there's a chance he can't play the four games in such a consecutive time, this is the game to miss. Um, and that wouldn't do Kenlock any harm, actually. Um, but equally, if Wilson's just had a knock and he's back, I wouldn't be disappointed to see Wolfie or McGuinness drop out for Wilson. I would prefer the two youngsters because they did well enough on uh, Tuesday night. Dizel picks himself at the moment. Bishop has to start. I would bring in Hughes, like the other guys have said. And I would definitely play Edwards on the left, because only an idiot wouldn't. Um, Hawkins up front, and Hawkins is going to get his goal. We need big Ollie Hawkins to score his goal, because he's done some really good work. He was quieter on Tuesday, I give him. But like, against um, Lincoln at the weekend, I thought he was probably our best player. You know, he's certainly an unselfish player. I would love for him to get his goal. Um, I would probably, I think Lambert um, will be back and he'll probably say Judge is fit and Judge is on the right or something like that. But I would play Bennett's like the rest of the lads have said. And I'd probably put Lancaster on the bench, not um, not because I don't think he's good enough, but I think, you know, we, we have to look after him. And he comes on for Bennett's with 30 minutes to go or 20 minutes to go. So we, he don't he doesn't lose his confidence. But that's the team I would go with. Um, as for Tuesday, um, Again, I'm really gutted. I would love to be there. And I've still got a lot of good friends in Sunderland, especially my mate Andy. So big shout out. Andy, you will listen. Um, we will... Sunderland are a funny side. I would always usually say, if you could silence the crowd, there is no crowd, so it's a different game. But they, they're scoring quite freely. They're also conceding. So it could be anything. I, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to go for a defeat, I'm afraid, on Tuesday night. Oh, okay. I'm going to say we're going to score first, and they're going to score three. I'm going to go 3-1 the other way. Ooh. Okay, well, um, of course, what a time of recording this, of course, is on Thursday night. They're currently sitting seventh. Uh, we don't know how weak they got Gillingham, actually, um, on Saturday <laughs> at Gillingham. So it's, a, it's a weird that we're playing the same sort of teams in the same sort of little bubble, really. Um, so I want to go over to Simon. I'll go over to you, uh, how are you feeling for Sunderland Gale? I know, once again, we don't know how we got on against Crew, so it sort of changes the this game. But is this one of the, one of the hardest tests after, say, Lincoln or Doncaster game? 
Yeah, I, I think I agree with John. If, if the crowd is there, particularly that, that's always been a tough place to go. The stadium of light when you got got that kind of thirty thousand people in there. That's that's always a real tough way game. I went last season and it was there was a real good good amount of noise in there, and it was that was a game that we we didn't play very well in and, and deservedly probably lost in the kind of last ten minutes. But um, yeah, it, it will be a tough game. It will be a, a test of where we are. I mean. We've talked this week, we've kind of had Gillingham and Crew, two games we'd expect to win. The criticism of this team last season and the start of this is we don't beat the teams in and around us. And if we're looking for promotion, eventually we're going to have to do it. So that could be Tuesday. Let's hope it is Tuesday. Um, I, I think I, I would take a point now. If you offered it to me, the old McCarthy adage, if you gave me a point now, I wouldn't even get on the bus. Fair play. And, uh, Thomas, a Tuesday night game going to Sunderland, that's a long trip. You know, would, you, uh, would you do yeah, that? Stolen my point again, Ross. I was going to say oh. that. That's a, that's a, that's a, lot, that's a long journey for us on the midweek game, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is, yeah. But I'm glad I can't be there. I love going to Sunderland back in February. Um, that kind of won me over a bit, um, the club. That's the first time I've been there as well. And just how you could kind of tell there's the fallen giants and the fans as well. They're so friendly ones that we bumped into um so yeah it's god i can't go this year um really enjoyed it last last season but um i'm fearing a loss as well to be honest um i feel like we'll go there it's a long journey up there um i'm going to say 2-1 to sunland um don't want to admit it but that's the that's what i'm worried about i i just i don't know why it's just what my heart says and it's one of those things but just lastly, I was going to say, um, I don't know if anyone has noticed, but I saw your picture of the Kings of Anglia posted the coochie dive against the crew game. Yes. Maybe choose maybe choose the shirt for this evening. Yes, mate. <laughs> so. And um, yeah, if you can't see, yeah, or people who listen, and you, of course you can only hear our voices, but yeah, he's wearing that. I like that kit. I do like yeah, that the, kit. Punch did it right, didn't they? Yeah, I yeah. in hindsight, Punch were better than we made him out to be at the time. Much better than templates, and I mean, our away kit at the moment has been the home kit in Croatia, isn't it? So, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and um, finally, over to you, Liam, the man who took me to Sunderland the last time we went. Uh, we won't be going to Sunderland this year, unfortunately, my friend, but uh, they're currently sitting seventh in the league, so it's outside the playoffs at the moment. Um, are you fearing a defeat here as well? Um, well, I fear a defeat, um, but. As it's what John said. Sunderland are a funny team because everyone looks at them and says, oh, they're going to be the the team to be um, at the top of the table and everyone expects them to be one of the ones getting out of here each season. And they haven't done it. And last season, they flopped. I mean, I know we were abysmal dropping to mid-table. But, I mean, you look at Sunderland who didn't even... I know the... The points per game thing is it was a bit farcical at the end there, but Sunderland dropped out of the playoffs. Um, they were that inconsistent. Um, and, I mean, that inconsistency, again, where they, I think they drew 2-2 with Rochdale on Tuesday night, did they? So, yeah. I mean, and, OK, that's way at Rochdale. Um, and it is a tight pitch there. So it's a lot easier for Rochdale to maybe make it more difficult for the bigger sides to go there and dominate them. But um, I think um, it, they have got results in there where they've where they've won games um, that you would expect them to win, and then 
some of the bigger games, but they've also dropped points in games that you would expect them to comfortably winning. So I don't think that they're all that. Um, and without the crowd, and I'll be honest, uh, I was at the game, obviously I took you, um, and we had a, a good night in Newcastle um, before coming home, and that was it then. Coronavirus pretty much killed it from there. Um, but uh, the that first half against Sunderland, um, out of all the matches against the big sides, that first half was probably the best first half town of play um, against any of the sides. And if we had been more clinical, uh, and I'm basically saying, James Norwood, uh, hold your head in shame, really, um, then we could have been we could have been out in front. And what John says about the crowd and how difficult it is when they get going, we had an opportunity in that game to completely make them a non-entity. Um, and we didn't. And then the, the point that John has made happened in the second half. It's nil-nil. They then, second half, come out more on the front foot and the crowd start pushing them and pushing them. And, and in the end, they, they, they got that late goal to win the game. Um, probably deserved it at the end there. But I, I think with no crowd in, uh, as John says, I don't think town should fear any team's um, that we go to, and they're under pressure as well. They're, they're, they've got to try and get out of this league. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be on the positive side, and I think that it won't, may not be playing them off the park, but I'm going to say we might sneak a one-nil victory here, um, mm. and just, just be bold. Uh, I don't think we'll score any more than that, but. Yeah. I just think the way that Town are playing more controlled with the ball and being able to control the game a bit better, I just think that if we can do that at Sunderland um, and there being the home team need to attack us, I just think that we've got an opportunity with the pace that we have to maybe catch them on the break and, and sneak, a, sneak a winner. So I'm going to say 1-0, but I'm probably being optimistic. My My... My um, I'm I'm saying one nil, but I, I think we may best result be a draw, um, but we'll wait and see. Okay, and uh, before we wrap up, John, I saw you put your hand up. Did you want to add anything, or you? Yeah, I was just going to add in about um, last season. Um, I actually thought we played pretty decent first half, like Liam was saying, and it. I just know the inevitability of it was that typical football cliche of not scoring when you're on top. Because you know, at whole a big club when the fans get behind them, um, if they get any momentum, then they start steamrolling you. And because we didn't take our chances first off, that's what happened. Um, and names right that the fans not being there is a kind of a positive and a negative because um, it takes some of the pressure off them to possibly play without that pressure um, being on them, but also. Um, it doesn't give them that fear factor that perhaps the wood with the fans were there. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting um, two games, really, isn't it? Because you have to put it into little chapters of the season. And in isolation, losing to Sunderland away isn't a bad thing, is it? Yeah. Um, no. Across, if you're winning at home to um, Crew and you're winning at home to Gillingham and then you're not getting beaten by Lincoln. But... If we don't win on Saturdays, Tuesday becomes massive. 
So, you know, uh, football's a fast-turning game, isn't it? It's going to be exciting to see where we end up. Right. I'll allow, allow this one, Liam. One more thing. <laughs> I, I just got around. I, I'm not going to go long. Um, this, for me, is the benchmark um, in where town are this season. Um, if Even if they lose, but they lose off a decent performance, then we can still come out of it with a bit of positivity to say, look, we played well. We were just beaten maybe by the better side on the night. Um, but I think this this is this the Tuesday night is where we talk about fans talking about better teams will beat us, this, that, and the other. If we can go there and play well and get a result, then I think that will show more where town are going to be this season and if we are going to be proper promotion candidates. Well, wow. well said, Liam. Well, that is it then. The end of Game Day Extra Time. Thank you, Thomas, Liam, John, and also Simon making his debut tonight. Hopefully, we'll hear from Simon again. Uh, if you want to get involved in future shows, make sure to contact me at Ross Media UK on Twitter. It'd be great to get as many voices as possible on this podcast. But yeah, let's uh, head to Crew. Oh no, well, that's at Porn Road, but let's take on Crew and see how we get on. Anyways, I've been producer Ross. I'll see you next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Thank you.